Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. It is the 18th day of January. We are continuing our journey in the Gospel of Luke, and today we move into a new chapter. We start chapter 8 in our journey through Luke's Gospel. We've just come fresh off the heels of the sinful woman forgiven story where Jesus has been at the house of a Pharisee named Simon. The woman washes his feet with her tears and with the oil. He tells her, your faith has saved you. Go and go in peace. And it seems that Luke here is a, a, a little bit agenda driven. Not, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but based upon the story he comes right out of and then the, the next few verses he throws in, a unique throw-in to the Gospels, by the way, is um, that it it's, seems like Luke wants to show you the important role of women in the ministry of Jesus. Because, again, contextually, this woman who's a sinner is blessed by Jesus, blessed to be there, given forgiveness of sins. And Luke seems to then want to tell the audience, hey, this is not entirely unusual Women were a big part of the ministry of Jesus, and so that leads us to Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. It came to pass afterward. So Luke is setting you on a chronological journey that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So a couple of things of note. One of them we've already, we've already started to lay out, and that it's this, this agenda that Luke has. And I say that not in a negative way, but in a way of he, he wants to let the reader know women are a part of this ministry to the point that he names a few women, Mary and Joanna and Susanna. And he lets us know that they are, follow, they are following him just as well as the 12, because the 12 are mentioned in verse 1, and then women are mentioned. So Luke is showing us that the entourage around Jesus is much larger than our Little the theater of our minds often imagine it. Because if you're like me, you think of Jesus walking down the road from one town to the next, he's got 12 guys around him. And that's the whole group. But Luke wants you to know that that's not the case. We, we get a better picture of this at other places in the gospel of lots of people around Jesus. John 6 has an enormous crowd around Jesus that seem to be hanging on and then he gives that famous eat my flesh drink my blood and you know most of them leave him he, he goes will you guys leave also and peter goes well to whom else do we go you have the words of eternal life it's, it's almost as if john wants to show you that jesus has to dwindle this crowd through teaching that he sort of gets rid of those who don't really want to be disciples because there's always going to be people around because it's exciting they don't really want to be disciples they just want to be around because it's fun because it's big, it's bombastic. And the modern church has, for the most part, especially in our evangelical circles, has recognized this tendency and and worked really hard to have a niche of entertainment inside of our assembly so that people stay interested and instead of, you know, being there for a little bit and leaving and being there for a little bit and leaving, we seem to want to do what we can to to keep them 
motivated um, with fun, with excitement. Um, I, I'm not. I, I know it sounds. I'm saying that in a negative tone, and that's probably because deep down at my core, it is a negative thought. But I'm not blaming us in a way. It's it's kind of our nature. Um, I think the closer that we get to the Jesus model, the less we will worry about whether or not people are entertained or whether or not there are a lot of them, but a little bit more into what people are taking away from their journey with Jesus. Well, what these are taking away leads to my second thing in this passage, and that is that Jesus goes to every city with a mission. He's not a wanderer. He's not just moseying around. That's a that's all the evidence of that usually tilts towards the enemy. Roaming about seeking whom he may devour. That's a predator. Just sort of going place to place, seeing who they can pick off. Like a snake oil salesman that goes into a town and says, Oh, let me find the weak and the vulnerable and the naive and I'll clean them out. Jesus goes with mission. He goes with purpose, but he goes with a message, and his message is he preaches and brings the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And I was struck by this. I was reading this a few days ago and struck by how straightforward this is and how unfamiliar it is. It's so straightforward. Jesus goes in. He just proclaims good news of the kingdom. Hey, the kingdom has arrived. This is great news. And he even tells us in Luke 4 who it's great news to, preaching good tidings to the poor. So he comes to the low end of the economic totem pole and goes, it isn't always going to be as bad as it seems. The kingdom is here, and the least is the greatest, and the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And this is great news for all of you who are under the thumb or under the boot. Listen up. There's a better way, and I'm here to proclaim it. That's straightforward. The reason I say that that's kind of lost on us is that we think preaching is to go expose people's failure and show them where they need to change. But preaching is a proclamation of what has been done on their behalf. Yes, it includes an invitation, but the invitation is to receive what's been done on your behalf. And if our preaching is more invitation than proclamation, it will tilt towards what you do instead of tilting towards what he's done. And to me, that's the essence of the gospel. Hey, here's what has been done. And if it, if, if taken the other way, it becomes, Hey, what are you guys going to do? And any message that that rotates around, hey, what are you going to do, must then focus on your doing, your day-to-day doing, your, your living. And, and again, and I've said this 10,000 times, and we'll probably say it 100,000 more if I'm granted the life to do it. Just because you know the goodness of God, it doesn't mean that living the life of God isn't important. You know, just because you understand grace doesn't mean living the life of God isn't important because you aren't living in a vacuum. You are living in the microscope of people's examination and you're not living so that you will be righteous, but living from his righteousness. Anyway, 
I could ramble all day long <laughs> on that, and, and you know it. But we'll be back to ramble some more tomorrow, and we'll do so from further into Luke 8. We'll see you then. Have a great day. God bless.